1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, the USCHO Women's College Hockey Podcast. I'm Nicole Hazy. That's Todd Molesky. We're here to talk uh, women's college hockey this week. We had some really interesting results over in um, non-conference and tournament play. Full disclosure, Todd and I are going to tell you that after this week's results, the WCHA is the best conference in the country, and that's pro- pretty uh undebatable for us at this point but i i know that we'll get a, a little bit of backlash for that so uh... as of
2: right now let's uh <laughs> right as of today we're get yes you're going to get the backlash on that but right as, after the results of thanksgiving weekend i think we can say that
1: yeah absolutely so um i think maybe one of the more surprising results was uh, minnesota duluth coming away with a win and a tie with uh then number two colgate so uh UMD, the fourth team in the WCHA, definitely um, showed that they they're maybe better than their rankings had showed prior to this. What you, what were your thoughts watching those games?
2: Yeah, and I think I think I'd said last week that maybe I had some questions about Duluth because um, you know the, the the struggles that they had, and you know, really just in in results against Minnesota at home. Uh, I guess I was expecting a little bit more uh from the bulldogs out of that series um and, and maybe it's just a uh like like you did say last week too that you know the the it ended up just being that way they, those were some pretty competitive games but for Duluth to come back have Colgate come into its building and get a shutout the first game and then almost get a shutout again the second game Colgate if I'm not mistaken had to score fairly late to tie that game and send it to overtime
1: yeah. Final minute. Wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and, and
1: with, uh, well, it was technically shorthanded. They were on the penalty kill, but still pulled their goalie. So yeah, <laughs> gets a little confusing about how many skaters were on the, ice, all yeah. the
2: ice. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I think for me, that result did kind of show that, okay, this is, I think Duluth is, is definitely in that pack of, of being a contender when you're talking about, uh, when we get to March, um, it, you know, it, it comes down to who you're playing and, and how hot you are at that point in the season. But um, definitely they, they went back up a notch for me uh, talking about Duluth. And uh, I guess I, I the, the questions now, I guess, are, I mean, a little bit on um, Colgate's side to me is, you know, we, we saw them split with Ohio state first, first weekend of the season. Correct. I'm, I'm remembering yeah. that right. Yeah. Um, it, and since then it's just kind of been a role. Um, and, and now there's a a little bit of question again on, um, you know, how is this going to look towards the end of the season for Colgate? Obviously no one's a finished product in, in November and now we're getting into December, but, uh, I, I would think they've got, they've got some, uh, some things to work on, some things to take out of that series, which is always what's good about these first half series between the, uh, the really good teams is, is you find out something about yourself and you find out where you need to improve and what, you need to be better at, you know, the next time you're in a big situation. And that was, I think for me, uh one of the things you've you've got to take away, uh if you're Colgate is that there's um, you know, you gotta finish chances. You got to, you know, bear down on a lot of those. And uh they did get one to get the uh uh the second game into overtime. But yeah, I I was uh I think I think there's a little bit of like, okay, let's let's do some reassessing now and, and and take a look at the big picture in a couple, you know, a couple months again. But um I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're, you know, uh, suddenly a a a a poor team or a a less of a a danger in 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 the national picture. But uh, this is that's one weekend where you're going to say, okay, let's let let's uh, evaluate what we have to do to be a a better team the next time this comes around.
1: Well, for sure, and I think you know, you know, what I brought up at the beginning is that you know we're talking about the the. Number four team in the WCHA and Colgate has been far and away the best team in the ECAC. They're undefeated in ECAC play, you know, they have, they're like six points clear. I, you know, to the eye test, I think we all would have said that, that ECAC and WCHA have been, you know, sort of more neck and neck and more, you know, competitive uh, having as many teams ranked nationally, things like that. So when you look at this result, you look at their number two team is St. Lawrence, who will talk about um, how that went against Ohio State. Mm. Like, spoiler alert, it wasn't good. Not good. Um, yeah. you, when you start looking at all of this stuff sort of down the line, then it's like, wow. So like, is the what's was it? The eye test? What like? what we have is to say teams how teams perform head to head and head to head. It did not go well for the ECAC this week. So it'll be interesting, you know, Colgate and, uh, UMD were, were pretty like neck and neck in that first game in terms of like shots and blocks and and those sorts of stats were like, they were pretty even. And, uh, UMD came out ahead three, nothing. Right. And then in that second game Colgate came out, like they, they put 38 shots on goal. I think they shot them like 38 to 21, something like that. And, uh, still couldn't couldn't find that equalizer till that that very, literally the last minute and i think the fact that they lost that game came out like clearly pushing more playing harder and still you know barely eked out the tie like that as you said that like there's there's a lot for them to go back and look at but you know you're also talking about a, a colgate team that won the conference last year and then lost to wisconsin in the regional like hosted wisconsin in that regional semifinal and, and got that loss as well so like I just think that there's probably a discussion, like a deeper discussion to be had in terms of like, what does it take to get to that next level? And, you know, we, we've we talked about like Hockey East maybe doesn't get those games where they're prepared for those games against those top opponents. But like, what do we do? What what do the ECAC teams, if they're not getting, if they're not being able to pass those WCHA opponents in these games and like those ECAC games are, also aren't preparing them. So like they need to start looking at what they can do to prepare for for this kind of stuff
2: that's probably a good segue to get into what did happen in Columbus mm. uh last weekend um it's, it's just a a beatdown <laughs> in 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 terms of numbers uh Ohio State winning uh 11 nothing in the first game and then 5-1 in the second game and i i think i would have guessed those the res, you know the win loss result of those games but not those scores that was uh, especially no, I, the first game. That's, that's kind of shocking to me.
1: Yeah, I absolutely expected um, closer games for sure. I mean, Ohio state put 41 shots on goal in each game. St. Lawrence got 15 in the first game, nine out shots on goal total in the second game. Mm. Just absolutely. I think the same relentless sort of push for check, like not letting teams out of the zone. The same thing we saw from Ohio state that really shut down Wisconsin two weeks yep. ago, like even more so overwhelmed st lawrence uh and i'm i I guess i just i think maybe st lawrence has never seen a team that can do that sort of line after line after line and really just keep that up you know nadine musrell has them so disciplined in columbus that 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 she loves the word relentless and i like i struggle sometimes to come up with a different one not wanting to like just repeat the same thing (laughs) but there is not a better word for like that pressure that they put up and down their line chart, um, just really hemming them in. And I mean, I think it's absolutely bonkers to think that they, they held St. Lawrence to nine shots in that second game. And that wasn't even like arguably that was the better of the two games for St. Lawrence. Um, to be fair, yeah. that first game, I think, you know, what happened, there was kind of a backbreaking couple minutes in that second period where it went from being, uh, I think like a two goal lead to a, to five, nothing they scored Ohio state scored three goals in a matter of like less than three minutes. And it was like the, the wind just completely went out of the saints there. Um, so I do think that the score got out. Of, like, I think that they just mentally <laughs> didn't, didn't kind of know how to handle that and kind of checked out, um, so I do think that, that store that score got a little overblown, but like obviously the next day, five one. So um that was all Ohio State. And again, like St. Lawrence number two team tied for second, I think, in the ECAC right now and having just an absolute banner year for them. So this is just gotta be so disheartening. And I, I feel bad for those players who had been riding a high through the start of the season to just like kind of get smacked in the face as they did uh and, with this series.
2: Yeah, and that's one of those things you really have to then try to figure out did we just have a really bad day or is this something you know did did one period get away from us? seven in the second period did that um did, or did that you know just feel like a bad period or is this a reflection of who we are and that's yeah. i think where you start to look at those things after a result like that and you you spend a lot of time when you are uh you know on the road and you're in a hotel and you've got, you know, 18 <laughs> hours until the next game or whatever it ends up being. Um that's the uh, that's a lot of time to sit with with a result like that and um a really I,
1: long I, either ride or flight home from oh, Columbus, yeah. yeah.
2: Right. Uh and and never an easy flight getting um or or, or bus ride or or, or whatever yeah. when, when from, you're talking from about.
1: Canton to Columbus, yeah. yeah.
2: right. Um so I I I think that's a uh uh you know, if they can, if they can take that and be better for it when they get back to ECAC play, you know, good for them because that's, you know, you, you don't like to be, um, on, on the receiving end of a, of a score like that. Uh, but, uh, if it's happened, you got to make the most of it. And I think that's, that's where, um, you know, you need your veterans, you need your leaders to say, Hey, look, you know, we've, it, this happened, it's done with, what yeah, are we going to do put it behind you? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and step Learn up from it, but don't right.
1: linger in it. And yeah,
2: exactly. And I think there's, there's a lot to be said for, uh, you know, having, uh, older players do that kind of, um, you know, leading from without having the coaching staff have to do it. Um, and so we'll see whether that's, uh, that's part of things, but uh, another uh, WCHA over ECI, sorry to continue to the theme here. I I don't, I don't mean to, you know, pick on ECAC or anything here, but uh, Minnesota five, Cornell one in the uh, second day of the DC shootout. Um, And Cornell uh,
1: being the other team tied for second in the ECAC at the moment.
2: Right. And so that, that was another one of those, here's how, um, uh, you know, college basketball does these things where they kind of match the, uh, the top team in one conference versus the top team in another conference, and these some of these, um, you know, early season kind of events. And uh, it, it's not a direct one to one comparison here, but uh, if you're looking at the results, but it is weekend, what three
1: it, to three was <laughs> kind
2: of close to it, right? So, yeah. um, that was uh, I think a, a, an important result for Minnesota, uh, to kind of continue what they've been doing here in the last couple weeks, but also to and, and especially on a neutral neutral rink, uh, to do that, uh, Thanksgiving weekend when a lot of the other teams are off and you, you're, you're out and you're, um, you know, playing in a, a different barn. Uh, but that's, uh, I think for Minnesota was a, a pretty good result, uh, to come away from, from that weekend with a win over Harvard, maybe a little bit closer of a, of a win that I, I thought it would have been, but, uh, three to one that first game was against Harvard. Yeah. That's,
1: that's interesting, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just comparing,
1: like, so Minnesota, you know, closer result against Harvard, and then Harvard lost to Saint Thomas the mm-hmm. next day, and Minnesota beat an, a much better team in Cornell. Just like this is, as Mark uh, Johnson would say, this is why they play the games, uh, and pretty much every coach, right? But yeah, it's just those those results are interesting to me. I was like, I, I don't know that I we learned a ton. <laughs> like, those are all like contradictory to each other, so I'm not sure that what to take away from that. Other than, uh, you know, I I had said early in the season, I think that that. Minnesota can't survive on Abby Murphy alone but like man did she seem to be wanting to prove me wrong and like more power to her yeah because everybody (laughs) knows she's the one that's going to score the goals and like yet she's still doing it so uh you know it's like it's from a you know macro standpoint like it's good to see she was sort of you know behind Zumwinkle and Taylor Heisey and so it's really cool to see her kind of come into her own and and really own like she's a very good hockey player and sort of now that the spotlight's on her like we're seeing some a less a little bit less of the stuff she was doing before and a little bit less physical game and her just you know showing off that amazing wrist shot among other things and just her ability to pick out a part of the net and take on four defenders and still score a goal like it's absolutely amazing to watch it's, it's she's a lot of fun to watch on the ice and she, can, um,
2: she can just impose herself in any game it seems like you know when when she wants to to be a physical part of the game she's going to be a physical part of the game but hey she's also gonna you know find a top corner a shot from the slot or something like that so it's like yeah you get a get a lot of uh or a little bit of a lot of parts of a game from heavy murphy
1: yeah and she i think she scored her 50 goal her 50th goal in like her 70th game something like that like just pretty ridiculous numbers for, for what she's been able to put, put up considering she wasn't the primary goal scorer or, you know, like the primary focus of their offense the first two years. And now it literally gets the focus of every defense she's playing. And she's still, you know, had three goals this weekend.
2: Mm-hmm. So we talked about the, uh, the nutmeg cup last weekend. We have a champion of Connecticut. Uh, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, it is uh, Quinnipiac uh, defeating Yukon and defeating Yale in the, the, uh, a tournament that was at Yale this year. Um, I I I, the, I think we we kind of talked about that that first game, the UConn game, as being mm-hmm. one of those that was a, uh, okay, let's see see what these teams are about. And you're talking about different teams from two different leagues. Um, you're obviously probably pretty familiar with each other just geographically, but um, I I, I, I and Quinnipiac came away with a four two win there, so that was a. uh uh you know i think one point where you can say here's uh here's here's what ecac has to offer here's what hockey east has to offer and uh on that day the uh the ecac team came out ahead and um it seems like that's kind of been the way a little bit uh right now for for the way things are are out east
1: yeah it's a little i mean obviously with northeastern you know, having dominated for the past, what mm-hmm. is it like Did they, they win six in a row, six. something like that. Yep. Um, now that they, you know, they graduated some of, some of the best players in women's college hockey in, in at least a decade. Now we're seeing this opportunity for other teams to step up. So it's, I mean, it's really cool to see a team like UConn be a top hockey East definitely weren't necessarily on people's radar. You know, they came out like that, that, Quinnipiac Connecticut game was interesting to me because Quinnipiac scored first but then UConn scored two you know and two quick ones to take the lead but Quinnipiac came back and scored right away to tie it again and I think that's that like little bit of extra that like Quinnipiac can dig down and get and really you know like they were outshot I think and maybe I'm thinking the other game it doesn't matter they I just thought it was that to me showed that little bit higher that I think Quinnipiac is that they can they'll go they they're not out of any game, you know, that they're, they're going to respond immediately, make sure that that game doesn't get out of hand um, and, and you know, just sort of break down opponents that way. So, I mean, I, I do like seeing what's happening over in hockey East. I like, you know, other teams getting an opportunity, but yeah, I think it's, you know, we saw, BC and Wisconsin early this year. And like that was a a blowout game, right? Like BC played a really close game in one game and then the Badgers blew it out. And so now, like with BC at the top of Hockey East, it's like this is all we have to sort of compare, right? And so it makes it definitely wonders, makes you wonder, like sort of the relative and and if we're just going to see a Hockey East champion come out and, you know, not be able to get very far when we talk the national tournament.
2: Yeah. And I do wonder whether there's a second half charge in one of the teams out of hockey east, be it you know BC or or UConn or I don't I don't know if maybe Northeastern has has something in them too to make a charge down the, down the stretch, but they've you know kind of they're playing from behind. So they've yeah. got some ground to, to make up. But um I I, I don't know if that's going to be a league where there's going to be a, a, a team running away with the second half or if if it's going to be one where there's, you know, kind of a lot of beating up of each other. And and one team emerges mm-hmm. at the end to, to just, uh, you know, win the, the league by a couple points. And and then uh, let's see what happens be to be out to do. Yeah. Much else,
1: yeah. Right. Well, the, I think like my general feel of hockey East, the maybe in the non Northeastern years, or maybe if we're t- like taking Northeastern out of the the pictures that like there have been over the past few season opportunities for teams to like really step it up. There's been room to like push back at times at Northeastern. And, and like, I feel like none of them have ever like sort of taken on that, opportunity you know like they don't see that as like oh this is our chance to go out and do something like nobody there's been stuff there for the taking and nobody has done it so there'll be like a team that you know is within a point or two and then the next week they go out and get swept and so I just I would love to see sort of a bit more of that determination and a bit more sort of go get them from a team in that in that conference that says like this is our opportunity and we're not gonna let anybody else take it you know
2: Well, that's our look back at last week's games. Now we'll have a look ahead at what's coming up uh, a little later in the show. But when we come back from the break, uh, we'll have part two of Nicole's conversation from last week with Chrissy Langley, who is the NCAA National Coordinator of Women's Ice Hockey Officiating. So stay tuned for that.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward.
2: podcast as promised before the break here is a second part of Nicole's conversation last week with Chrissy Langley who is the NCAA national coordinator of women's hockey officiating
1: when i was in sweden last year at the u18s um i went out to dinner one night with a lot of the officials and it was just really eye opening and a really cool experience to to hear about what they were doing and these are women from around the world and you know there was a woman who was still nursing her daughter and like the yeah. i believe it was the ihf had brought her mom to to be able to yeah. babysit the daughter and so it was just cool that that kind of support exists and the understanding that like You know, women that sort of age out of the college, like you you are women in that age range that you want to be officials also have other priorities. And so what can we do to make sure to support those priorities so those women can still continue, like they don't have to choose between being an official and starting a family. And so, yeah, it was just it was really eye opening and cool. And so I it's a little pet project of mine to make sure we talk about this a lot, um, just so that people see that there is. There are other paths, and that, like, if you're if you're not happy with officiating, one of the ways to get into one of the ways to fix it is uh, to work from the inside. So, um, it's definitely not easy, but I think it's a really cool. I think it's cool to think about that, like, maybe you didn't make the national team, maybe you know things haven't gone exactly the way that you want. Me, but like those those World Championship or Olympic dreams could look could look different, and that's pretty
3: cool. I love that you brought up. Um there was an official yes at the under 18s they flew in her mom and she was still nursing her 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 child um at the advanced officiating symposium this last uh summer in columbus ohio joy topman was there and she's one of the officiating coaches uh from great britain and she went in the locker room to supervise after the game and the official was in the rest meeting it was such a shock to her she goes wait a minute why am i surprised by this mm-hmm. This is beautiful, and this is one of the best officials in the world, and we're doing everything we can to support her in her life journey, and she just worked a pretty darn good hockey game. I need to reframe my mind and make this happen, and another great example is we had two female officials in the United States invited to that summer camp with the Advanced Officiating Development Program that were pregnant, and one of them went, and she is such a competitor. Oh, my gosh she's like, I'm going to do everything, Chrissy. I'm going to get on the ice. I'm going to do the off ice. I was like, please don't. You're <laughs> yes. not you are 6 months pregnant. And the most important thing is being there, being present and opening up people's minds to the fact that you're going to have a family this season. You're going to have another child and come January, you have goals to be back on the ice at the highest levels possible. Yeah. And here's your pool. Here's your toolbox here's your resources to help get you there in your support structure so um she's now she's got her second baby about 22 days ago Hmm. and you know the first three weeks are pretty critical to rest recover find the new life and then you know what is she going to do here in the next month and a half to see if she can get back on the ice
1: Yeah, no, it's really cool. And I think it's just a part, it's a conversation that we started seeing for players, you know, with USA soccer and then USA hockey. And so I'm just glad that it it just needs to be talked about more often. And and when we're talking about women's sports, it's just... Part of of being a woman in sports, right? That this is a conversation that has to be addressed and has to be had openly and publicly. And so, yeah, I just um when we were sitting there and, and talking, and then one of the officials in Sweden had also said that like she was pregnant, though it was brand new. And so it was just a really cool moment for me to be like, these are some badass ladies, and people need mm-hmm. to know more about it, you know. Um, and I think officials particularly that tends to be the untold story. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm very it was very heartening to hear the support that they were getting because that's not always the case.
3: Well, if there's more suggestion support, I tell you we're all ears because coaches are talking about it as well, you know, how how to coach and have a family and what does that support structure look like because not everybody has parents or grandparents or people nearby that can help. So, finding solutions, you know, it's not like we have a a daycare service at the rink you know
1: but it's important to the future of the sport if all of our best officials coaches players all you know have to make a decision between having a family and continuing on with the game then you know there's sort of a what's the word like an end to all of their careers that would be premature like they have so Mm -hmm. much to still give to the game and so it just it's just such an important conversation to have when you're talking about women's sports
3: yeah definitely
1: Hi, welcome back to the podcast, the USCHO Women's College Hockey Podcast. Thanks so much to Christy Langley, who is the NCAA National Coordinator of Women's Ice Hockey and Fishing, for giving uh, me her time to talk about such an interesting topic. Um, If you missed the first part of that conversation, make sure you go back and listen to last week's episode. Um, Christy and I talked about the increase in major penalties, um, and there's some pretty amazing stats in there, so definitely go back and listen to that. But looking forward, uh, we've got some interesting games this weekend. We just spent a lot of time in that first segment talking about UMD, and they will be playing at Wisconsin this weekend. Todd, what are you looking forward to in that series?
2: Well, for one, uh, we have a possible return of Caroline Harvey. Um, she's been on the ice with the Badgers practicing, no contact jersey, but uh, still looks I mean, you know, from, from a distance and from my untrained eyes or partially trained eyes, I guess, looks to be moving pretty well she had a a knee injury it suffered in uh middle of october uh and and so that's 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 a big player if the badgers get her back especially these last two weeks uh before the break badgers have home Mm -hmm. against duluth for two this weekend and then at minnesota and so i know that uh, they definitely missed her presence against ohio state uh but you can't rush an injury back especially to someone who's uh going to be really important for you towards the end of the season and so uh i i don't think it was really even a question of that she was going to be potentially available for that ohio state series but she's potentially going to be available for uh these final two series before the break and i think that's going to be a big uh boost to the badgers uh in in depth wise and defensively and and power play wise and and just really all over the ice what what she can create uh would be a really big thing for wisconsin to have back what's uh what's jumping out to you about that series
1: well i just wanted to add about kk is that i like i'm shocked that we're talking about her possibly being back uh here in november i mean obviously the games will be the first weekend in december but uh when that happened i think everybody thought that could be the end of the season uh anybody that is both a wisconsin and a u.s Women's national team um fan so like it's it's almost boggling to me that that she you know is already back on the ice practicing in that non-contact jersey. So um I just as you mentioned, just such a huge opportunity for the Badgers the to, to possibly get her back and um they obviously won't rush it, right? And like she if she needs more time having having that long winter break definitely helps but um no i think it'll be really interesting um we've seen how umd you know can be so shut down on defense and we saw how wisconsin struggled um against ohio state two weeks ago so i think first of all just having two weeks to stew in that ohio state series how the badgers who sort of historically come out slow in the first game of a series Mm. uh come out (laughs) say that very delicately but seeing how they come out um just as reaction like how how they as a team you know sort of carry themselves much like you mentioned with you know st lawrence how they need to react after that ohio state series i think it's really important to see what the badgers do um i think they need to you know not come out slow which is really obvious but uh it's definitely you know i think it's just they, they i think for them to feel like themselves and to feel secure and feel like they have moved on from that Ohio state series, they need to come out and and make an impact early in that first period. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something I'll be paying attention to. And then just, we know what UMD's defense can do. We know how they can slow down the game and, you know, sort of keep a team out around the perimeter, all of those sorts of things that, that really can work against the Badgers. And we, you know, we saw that from uh, from the Badgers early, earlier on in the season where they were getting frustrated with shots around the the perimeter and things like that. So I think we know what UMD is going to do. And so the interesting thing is how, how the Badgers react. And and I think importantly, like whether or not they get frustrated.
2: And looking back to last season, uh, Duluth came, got two wins out of the series at Lebon arena last year. That was part of that five game stretch where the Badgers lost five in a row for the first time in well, forever, it seemed like. Um and, and Duluth won three one one nothing. So the, to your point, uh they know how to win tight games on the road at Wisconsin. Uh for the players that are coming back. That they'll have some familiarity with that. And I think that'll that'll do them well, even though that's, you know, maybe not the uh a, a huge part of their team. Uh, uh you know, the, the the players that really drove things for them last year, uh, being back, but that's, uh, there'll, there'll be some memories I'm sure there for some players to, to to build on.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, importantly for a Wisconsin team that like had put up so many goals to start the season, you know, and we're leading in all these scoring categories to have not to have only put up one goal last week. And then, you know, talking historically of that season or that series last year with UMD, like they can't have one like that where they're not scoring. Right. Like that's they just they have to be finding the net, like both simply because that's how you win games. But also, I just think like mentally they need to be putting pucks in the net um, to really get a reset and set them up. Um, for heading into the break with that that series at Minnesota, um, yeah. so I just think it's that's a really important part mentally for them.
2: There's an uh, interesting series coming up in the CHA this week. Uh, Robert Morris playing at Penn State, uh, two teams that are currently tops in in the conference, if I'm remembering the standings correctly. Yeah. Um, what's I, I guess first of all, is that a surprise that. Robert, we're talking about Robert Morris as one of the top two teams in the CHA. Given that this is their what they're two and a half months into being back um, as as a team, and 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 what do you think uh, uh, they need, you know, to to get some success out of uh, a series at Penn State uh, this weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but also like. That's unfair to them because it is surprising. Like it's a, it's a huge accomplishment for them. Um, You know, many of their players had transferred away. They have, you know, they had some girls that just didn't play hockey last year and then turned around and rejoined the team this year. Like they, they're working with the, you know, sort of from below zero from behind the starting line. Right. And so the fact that they, they've come out and, and, Put themselves in this position just a couple points back from Penn State, I think, is so impressive. and um probably something like not enough people are saying and, and pointing out, right? Um, I think sometimes the chA, you know we we get talking about these other ranked matchups, but like this is such a big deal for them. and I like like that it's just so cool, right? Like I, I'm so happy for them and so proud and and glad that this program not only got to come back, but is, you know, sort of, Proving the naysayers, right? Like they they belong. They were they were good before they left. They're good again now. And so I think in terms of the the series with Penn State, importantly for them is that they ha- just have to be tighter on defense. Like Penn State's got some offensive weapons. Um, Robert Morris is just they've given up too many goals, right? Like they're they're doing they're doing quite well overall, but just if they're going to make a push for the the top place in the CHA and and pushing for national prominence, then they they have to tighten up on defense and so I think that will just be huge for them is, is seeing if they can you know keep Tessa Janicky in any sort of check and then just generally you know sort of try and control the puck a little more and, and not let Penn State have their have the run of the game I think that's probably the most important part for them in this looking, series
2: yeah looking at Robert Morris's numbers here they're four and two in conference play but they're minus six in terms of uh, goal differential scored 18 given up 24 and that's uh those two losses um uh one to mercyhurst nine to two and one to rit seven to three and i guess that does it there when you uh yeah have a couple a couple losses and they happen to be blowout losses and you your wins are a lot tighter than that that's i guess how that happens uh you know at least six games into the conference season now
1: yeah those games are kind of outliers though too right so it's just really interesting i mean I, i I kind of feel like Robert Morris gets a pass this year for however you know however it goes for them and uh so I like certainly not critical but I I think you know anything they can do to sort of find that equilibrium again and 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 just try and keep things as is you know not too high not too low because I think when those games start to get away from them they really get away from them and and yeah I just I I hope that they can they can come out and play those some some of the hockey that's gotten them, you know, those closer wins than as opposed to those low well, losses.
2: Yeah. Uh in Hockey East, uh on a Saturday, Saturday afternoon, a game on Nesson, uh number 15 Boston College at number 11 UConn. And there's uh two teams with, like we we're talking about before, an opportunity to show, okay, if you want to be at the top of hockey east, these are probably the teams you're gonna have to beat to do it, right? Uh one of these teams can can emerge from uh, f- from that matchup and, and have a, have all, at least for the time being, have a, uh, a little bit of a, a step on the other team. That's, that's kind of in that, that pack, not necessarily, uh, you know, right next to each other or anything like that, but, uh, in ter- well, they are right next to each other, but, um, they're the two that are that are they're at the top and, and, uh, BC can, can nudge ahead, even though UConn has a game in hand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing, the big difference there, right, again, is like, I guess, defense wins championships. But, you know, UConn has given up only 11 goals, like a goal a game. In conference play which is just kind of crazy um they've just been absolutely megan warner's been really good in goal and you know they've just been really really good on defense and limiting and i think a lot of that is that they have a more confident offense and they're possessing the puck a lot more um but you know by by comparison boston college has given up 27 goals in conference but bc also has 11 more goals for them so like it's just a, it's a really interesting matchup of two very different styles and you know they're bc's eight three and one uconn is eight eight and three in hockey east so like different routes to get to ostensibly the same place um and so yeah i think it'll be really fun to see how the two the two match up and how they they go against each other because i um as you said these are these it's likely that one of these two teams is uh the one that's going to emerge so um it's a really cool to have this sort of at the midway point to to see how they, they match up against each other
2: there's another one uh Ohio state continues on with this uh, home stretch that they're on hosting St. Cloud state. And that's, um, after what Ohio state did to St. Lawrence last week, I don't know. Um,
1: that's it, right? Like had the last two weeks not happened, I would be kind of excited for this series.
2: Um, but then you, you start to wonder, okay, you know, is Ohio state just kind of going to keep this, keep pushing this, uh, through the rest of the season. I mean, they're everyone has a down game uh, and as an opponent, you hate to have to hope for that. But sometimes when the team is that good, you do have to hope for that as, as your, your entry into Uh, You know, having a chance in in some games. And I I think we've seen a lot, a lot more out of St. Cloud State this season, but uh, I don't know that they're in the caliber of Ohio State, even though it's a number one versus number 10. That feels like a big gap between number one and number 10 right now.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think at this point, the gap between Ohio State and everybody else mm. uh, is, is pretty large, right? Like that's a huge step they made out in the past two weeks. Yeah. I, like I said, if I, if this was happening before the, I saw the last four games from Ohio State, I think I'd be really excited to see what St. Cloud State could do against them. Now I feel like a little bit like I'm going to be watching through my fingers and worried that St. Cloud State is going to get the same kind of slap in the face that St. Lawrence did. So, you know, for the the Husky's sake, for anybody's sake, I hope nobody gets that from Ohio State anymore this season. Uh no offense to the the Buckeyes. I like I'm I'm not begrudging them their wins, but like the mental <laughs> of, of facing that when you're you're so high and feeling like you've done so well. Um I just yeah, I it'll be interesting St. Cloud State has two of the best goalies in the country. You know, they have really interesting scoring, uh, you know, from Clara Hemlorova and, and and they brought in so many cool transfers that have really like sort of diversified what they're capable of doing, but yeah, I just no, no offense to St. Cloud State, but I don't, I don't see how anybody goes into Columbus right now. It feels like remotely as though they can walk away with dignity. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that seems strong, but may, but probably not inaccurate. Um, I mean, but for me, the the goalies are really the X factor there because if yeah, you, I mean, it may take fifty saves, but we've seen it before where from
1: each one of them, yeah,
2: right where they where they both have have been able to do that so um hey you never know right it's it's one of these things where um if it it was decided before the game started we why why are we even playing them but yeah um we 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 know what ohio state can do we've seen what ohio state can do to teams both on offensive side and a uh in defensively and in, in, in not having to play defense <laughs> in a lot of ways not having to to have the puck in their own zone so uh if that's the case this weekend uh that's some trouble
1: yeah absolutely i you know should be should super be interesting to see like, like i think what you said i think the the puck possession is just going to be really telling in that game and so yeah i think we'll know pretty early on um which team's gonna win out there. But as yeah, I strange less strange things have happened than OH or St. Cloud State putting on a show and goal and pulling out a one or two win. So um it's definitely on the table, but I think far less likely than I thought it was a few weeks ago. Right.
2: Well, I think that's gonna wrap it up or wrap it up for us. I almost got that out there. Wrap it up for us this week on the podcast. Nicole, good to talk with you again.
1: Absolutely. Nice talking to you.
2: And we will be back next week. So thanks for joining us. Make sure you hit us up on social media at Nicole Hazy is Nicole at Todd Maleski is me. Uh, drop us some lines and with some ideas, uh, things you want to hear or questions we can answer here on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in.